What's going on, Trail Runners? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. I'm your host, Jason Coop, as always. And today we have an extra special episode lined up for you. Um, it's undeniable right now that this COVID-19 virus has kind of gripped the country and also gripped our small uh, little ultra running community alongside it. Uh, we all play a part in helping to manage this disease and making sure that the spread of it is as contained as possible. But at the same time, we're all athletes and we're all trying to train for events and get better and, you know, run long distances. And we've got, you know, things stacked up on the calendar. Some of them have been canceled. Some of them are going to go on and some of them really don't know what's going to happen with it. And so for this episode, I brought all of our coaches together during our normal continuing education session. And for those of you that have listened to this podcast several times, uh, you've heard me make mention of this. Uh, we get together every single week as an entire t- coaching department, and we throw up a, you know one of a variety of different topics to discuss. And sometimes they're incredibly technical uh, discussions. We recently had Roger Crom on from the University of Colorado at Boulder to talk about developments in footwear, specifically. Uh, the new Nike Vaporfly and AlphaFly shoes, all the way to topics that are much more benign, where we where we discuss athlete schedules and kind of how to you know how to manage this workout and that workout, and you know how to plan and and, and forecast for seasons that are uh, that are coming up. And I've never uh, I've never had the intent of broadcasting those continuing education sessions publicly. They're just really not meant for that. The audio usually isn't very clean, as you can imagine, with you know, several people in the same room. There's a lot of talking over each other. But I think with this virus and how on uh, how it's impacting every single athlete, it became a good use case to use that platform and broadcast it to everybody. And so you guys get to really eavesdrop in uh, on that uh, on that conversation. I also invited uh, into the fold Eric Lee, who it was actually kind of a, a hilarious situation where he joined us quite literally from his lab in Boulder, Colorado, while he was doing lab work in Boulder, Colorado with pipettes and graduated cylinders and all this lab equipment behind him. He was actually running experiments and talking at the same time. It was uh, uh, it was really quite fun. But Eric's a pretty badass ultra runner uh, in, his, uh, in his own right, but he also has a master's degree in immunology and infectious disease. Uh, alongside his 14 years of laboratory experience uh, working on drug and, and vaccine uh, development. So he brings a little bit of, uh, of, of technical expertise, which we leaned on uh, in this podcast and in this discussion as well. If you have not had the chance to read Coach Corinne Malcolm's excellent article on I Run Far on this virus, please go and do so. It's a better resource than even the one that I actually prematurely wrote uh, back at the very beginning of March. Far better article than that and a great uh, resource for all athletes. This is not going to be a podcast about social distancing and washing your hands and not touching your face. All of those guidelines still exist right now, and I think that finally, over the course of the last several days, that message has gotten out, and that message is very, very clearly conveyed in Corinne's uh, uh, in Corinne's article. So, rather than be a dead horse again with that advice, which you guys have heard, and you guys, everybody out there should already be doing, we wanted to talk about from a very practical perspective in the here and now what athletes should be doing with their training 
when their races get canceled, when their races are kind of up in the air, and when they've got races in the fall, from a practical perspective, what you should be doing with your training, and then also how to handle the uncertainty that accompanies this this absolutely incredible time that we're in where we don't know what's going to happen week to week. The recommendations that the CDC is putting out is changing day to day. Uh, Corinne herself and another one of our coaches, uh, Stephanie Howe, uh, are are basically on, on house arrest, right? They can't leave their homes out there in San Francisco except for essentials like grocery shopping and exercise and and things like that. So these things are, are quite in flux and they're changing every single day. And it impacts athletes in terms of how they're actually training and how they want to train. And so what we wanted to do with this conversation is keep it practical, keep it very pragmatic, keep it kind of on the ground level of what athletes should be doing day to day with their training to keep themselves healthy, but also keep their fitness kind of rolling at the same time. So without any further ado, here we go. Here's all of the CTS coaches, not all, almost all of our CTS coaches talking about what athletes should do with the COVID-19 virus and how you guys should handle your training. Um, so as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I want to do just, we'll start, we'll kind of start out with just a quick voice intro from everybody. Uh, I'm obviously the host. I'm Jason Coop. I'm the host every week. Next, we have John. Hi, John Fitzgerald here, Helena, Montana. How are things in Helena, John? Not too bad. We just got some fresh snow, so it's been fun to get out on the trails with the dogs. I'm glad you guys have fresh snow, and that's the only thing you have to worry about, whether the the snow is fresh (laughs) or what's the opposite of fresh? Stale? I mean, we had ice, ice is never fun yeah. for a single track, yeah. but that's not a bad thing to be worried about. Okay. We also got Steph. Stephanie Howe. Um, I'm up in Mill Valley, California. And are you currently under house arrest or quarantine or what are they calling it? There? Yeah, currently, currently under house arrest. I don't know. That sounds more descriptive to me. Um, yeah, it's, I've got everything I need though. I've got my chocolate and wine here. <laughs> and I should remind the listeners it's uh, eight eighteen in the morning in Mill Valley, and Stephanie's already on her first round of chocolate and wine. I'm just, I'm just saying, I have it. I didn't say I'm indulging in it yet. <laughs> All right, Steph. And special guest today, Eric Lee. Eric, take a second and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Eric Lee, um, infectious disease immunologist from Boulder, Colorado. Um, we're currently on you know, social distancing measures, not full lockdown, but all of our restaurants and bars are closed down. And we have a little bit of a failure of audio here. Eric is actually in his lab in Boulder, Colorado, so we can see all of the equipment and agents and things like that in the background. It's actually kind of a little bit of a hilarious scene. (laughs) Some people are still working. (laughs) Exactly. Some people are still working from their proper offices. You're one of the few because you have important work to do. All right. Next up, we've got uh, AJW. Hey, this is Andy Jones Wilkins. I'm checking in from my office in Wilson, Arkansas, uh, where nobody is in school except for me. (laughs) And why don't you give a quick rundown of what you guys are doing with the kids there? Well, we're uh, we've today's day one of our remote learning program. (laughs) Yesterday was a planning day for the faculty. So we've got two weeks of remote learning and it's pretty interesting to do remote learning for like pre-K and kindergarten kids. It's a little bit easier for high school and middle school, but uh, 
we've had to be really creative and uh, using a lot of video conferencing and the teachers have been great and the parents have been great. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're, we're, we're technically only closed for two weeks, but I suspect it'll be longer than that. Yeah. Uh, Liz and the listeners will know my wife, Liz is a high school English teacher here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. They're basically going through the exact same thing where they're all their teachers and the students at the same time are having to learn how to do remote based learning and implement it kind of all in one flow. On a, on a more personal note, I think what's interesting is all these colleges are closing down. So I have a lot more kids in my house than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next, we've got Darcy. Hey, this is Darcy. I'm in Logan, Utah. Uh, I have a middle schooler and a high school, and we're up and running as of tomorrow with the home learning. And we're mourning the anticipation of no senior baseball season for my son. So we're getting all the backcountry ski gear waxed and ready to ski as long as there's snow. Oh, my gosh. Hi, this is Chantel calling in from outside of Gunnison, self-isolating on my our ranch. Um, so business as usual, really. And Chantel, you've been like helping the local community out uh, with this as well. Why don't you go through a little bit of that? Uh, yeah. So the last since last Friday, I guess I've been helping with our um, community uh, department of health and uh, human resources, and so I've been helping to translate into Spanish all of the different um, orders and guidance that's going out to the local community. So. So that's changing, has been changing pretty rapidly since Gunnison County is one of the uh, epicenters in Colorado for the COVID ID outbreak. And you're, you're also in a little bit of a unique situation because you're in a somewhat of a shelter in place uh, situation and you have a high density of uh, at risk population. Why don't you describe that both of those real quick? Yeah. So the community of Gunnison um, and Crested Butte, there we have, small population of about 8,000 people, but the number of people who are identified as high risk based on their health conditions or their age is about 2,300. So that makes the situation pretty dangerous for a lot of folks in our community. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Chantel. So we're probably one of the early, early places where they've asked people to, to stay home, um, to stay away from public places. On Friday, they announced that, um, no gatherings of 50 people or more and for people age 60 and over to, to stay home and, and not go to any of those public places. And then before the, the national guidelines were announced yesterday, um, they changed that to 10 people. Um, so we've got, you know, the restaurants and a lot of businesses having to close down and um, people ordered to, to stay home and to work from home as much as possible. And they kicked everybody else out of town, right? All the tourists are like, have been told to leave. They did, yeah. So all the, I mean, the, the ski resorts were all shut down. So that's, you know, that's across across the um, the state. But they also ordered all hotels to close down. And even, um, you know, these third-party rentals like Airbnb. So all those folks were, were told they had to leave by the quickest route possible. So whether they fly out of here, drive out of here, just you know, to, to get out of here. And so today is the, the last day. I believe that our airport's going to be operational, our local airport. Totally unbelievable. All right. Well, th- thanks for chipping in for the community, Chantel. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Coop. So we're going to move on to Corinne, which is in another one of the hotbeds of the lockdown zone. Corinne, why don't you say hi real quick? 
Hi, I'm Corinne Malcolm, and I am sheltering in place in San Francisco, California. Is that the official terminology that they're using there, sheltering in place? Yep, it's considered sheltering in place with the idea that we've closed down local businesses, except for essential businesses like grocery stores, um, gas stations, hardware stores, um, and essential city personnel. And we're allowed to go outside to get to those places, to go to essential medical visits, and to exercise. So we're still allowed to exercise as long as we don't mess this up. <laughs> there you go. So don't screw it up, people, for the sake of Corinne's exercise. Um, okay, so I wanted I wanted to get everybody together on this week's Continuing Ed to talk about kind of two, two facets that we're having to deal with right here, right now uh, with our athletes. The first one is more of this short-term, what does my training look like? today, tomorrow, this week, next week, this month. Uh, we've obviously, we've had a ton of cancellations uh, happen with races. And that uh, that obviously kind of propagates down the line where people have to kind of rearrange their schedules. But also we have athletes that are a little bit in limbo. They have athletes or they have races that are in May or June that still, you know, may or may not be off the table. And they still have questions about, should I should I train for these races? Should I train hard? Is that going to be something that compromises my immune system? Is it safe for me, for me to just run, you know, run inside, run on treadmill. If I have access to a treadmill, run alone, if I can accomplish that via the appropriate social distancing. So that's the first piece of what I want us all to talk about is just this practical day-to-day training advice that we're really giving our athletes right now. And the second piece of it is is what to do with this long-term planning ambiguity that we have in the space right now where we really don't know what's going to happen in May, June, July, August, September. And um, that, always, that, that always has a lot of different facets to it. It's got a psychological facet to it, meaning athletes don't really kind of know uh, how to just how to handle things, but also how we do it from a practical planning standpoint uh, in terms of how the long range plan works and how their periodization works uh, throughout the year. So why don't we start out uh, with uh, with just a couple of examples of uh, what you guys have been going through just uh, with your athletes. Uh, Andy, since you've got your mic hot right now, why don't you go ahead and and, and kick things off? I would uh, thank you, Coop. And I think that this is a great conversation, very timely. I'm finding uh, a couple of things. First of all, um, with cancellations and also the uh, unknown, uh, some lagging motivation among athletes uh, that um, that that the the absence of the somewhat deflated feeling of of just um, no longer having something to train for. So so working with athletes on keeping them motivated, keeping them focused. Uh, sort of trying to find the glass uh, half full uh, challenges around uh, uh, having kids at home all of a sudden for for working, uh, working families, uh, having job uncertainty. I mean, all of these things are think I think are having a weight on on um, on people's motivation. What I'm trying to do in several cases is compartmentalize and saying, you know, one thing you can control at least until they, until they prohibit exercise outside, which I really hope they don't. Uh, I think the one thing you can control is this, you know, this hour a day, this 45 minutes a day, this two hours a day that are yours for your, for your training. So I'm trying to keep that going as the one sort of predictable part in their lives. And, and it seems to be helping in these early days. So keep, keep the workout routine. I think is a 
is, is a theme that you can kind of glean from that. Um, so, and I think that that's something that's, that's really valid for a lot of athletes. I want to know, has anybody like drastically changed what their athletes are doing because of a, a an event cancellation or B because they're just, they're just worried about the increased risk of infection from doing hard, long, arduous, you know, whatever it is type, type of training. I can, I can chime in on that if you guys can hear me. Yeah. Go ahead, Chantel. So I have, um, the one athlete who's had to drastically change things is things is my one athlete who is in Austria because they are on, he's in Innsbruck, which is, um, one of the areas that's been hit particularly hard as a tourist destination. So he has a curfew and because of his online job, can't get outside when he's allowed outside to exercise. So thankfully he's been able to um, get a trainer and we've had to move some of his training to being indoors on a, on a bike, but at least he's been able to be a little bit flexible to move things around. And as Andy said, the biggest key here is let's control the things we can control and use the time we have to do things. Um, so that's, that's been an interesting one. Does anybody else have any athletes either in Spain or France where they're giving tickets for people at like participating in outdoor, not, not just running, but running, cycling, any sort of outdoor activities. Anybody have any of those athletes? Steph, you've got some. I have an athlete. Um, he's on the border of Switzerland and Italy. So kind of uh, <laughs> right in the thick of it. And what have you guys done? Uh, well, we've taken the approach and this is sort of what I have with a few other athletes of like, yeah, this is impacting your training, but this is also a humanitarian issue. And maybe this is lower on the priority. Like let's focus on keeping you safe and healthy because ultimately that's way more important. So although you can't train right now, this is not the new normal. This is just a period of time where it's, it's okay. And probably beneficial to be unselfish and put that aside and follow the rules. Like, I think that's important. Be a rule follower. We in ultraning we tend to be rule breakers a lot, so I know that's a hard thing for a lot of people to get over. John, uh, you, I know you've got an athlete or two that have been, that's been dealing with this as well. What's your experience with those athletes been like? Yeah, so um, I have an athlete over in Madrid right now, and he's typically on an airplane like every other day. So that's obviously been. Um, that's not happening right now, but as far as the training, similar to Steph, it's just really focusing on, you know, health and pushing training aside, um, focusing on the step that the athlete is currently in and not getting too overwhelmed by the fact that they can't go do intervals. Um, so that's been really helpful and just having that time to reflect on what really matters, <laughs> you know, is it the training, is it the intervals or is it loved ones and, uh, you know, our health in general. And so it's been an interesting time for athletes to have that reflection. How, who out here has had an athlete where you've intentionally changed the training, not because of an imposed restriction. And Eric, we're going to, I'm going to bring you into the tail end of this question here, not because of an imposed restriction, but because of either your or the athlete's desire to, I just want to keep myself as healthy as possible 
and do the minimum amount of exercise that it takes to maintain a healthy immune system. So Darcy, why don't you kick us off with this one? Yeah, I've definitely been doing that, especially with my athletes in the medical profession, because I want them to go into this as healthy as possible. So I've been um, one specifically alternating literally a rest day every other day and then backing down the total volume and more taking the approach of like we're using exercise as a stress relief right now. Um, so keeping their health the first, first priority, both mentally and physically, um, just so that they can continue their jobs and doing that frontline service that we're anticipating we'll need them for. Well, they have a multiplier effect, right? I mean, if we keep them healthy, they're, they're, they are then able to keep other people healthy. So I think that's really poignant. Exactly. Yeah. Steph, you want to jump in there as well? Yeah, I've got two situations. I've got um, a couple older athletes and older meaning one is like approaching his 80s. Um, and so he's, you know, healthy, but it's still one of those things where, yeah, his, he might be a little more at risk. Um, and then I also have an athlete who's pregnant. And so really minimizing <laughs> any potential extra stress on the body right now. Um, so just doing the, the base amount of training, I guess, to stay, just keep your foot in the game, basically. So that just looks like reduced volume and reduced intensity on, on both ends. So they're just getting out to move. And really, it is for stress relief or just um, maintaining some consistent running. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes with the at risk populations, like it's you have to take, obviously, we have to take a lot better care of them. I actually canceled a podcast interview the interview that was going to go out this week was going to be with Lindsay Golich over at the Olympic Training Center who a lot of you guys know she manages their high altitude performance center there um and she is going to give birth to her first first child in like 10 days and so we were like okay let's let's postpone this oh. for 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 a little bit later the whole training center shut down that's another uh, that's kind of another issue. Eric, I want to kind of bring you into the mix here because we're talking about um, athletes that can be negative, negatively impacted from their work routine in specific regards to their immune function. What, sort, what, what sorts of things can you kind of illuminate uh, for us and maybe reemphasize some of the points that, uh, that kind of came out in the article that uh, Corinne just wrote on Iron Far? Uh, certainly, yeah. So I guess the first thing is kind of what Stephanie alluded to is um, don't necessarily think about it as exercising, but think about it in regards to stress on the body and the physical system. Um, so there's actually have been several studies that have shown that just general exercise, low, low to moderate, it actually been good for immune function and just overall health. So definitely being active is good. Um, but then on the converse of that, anything that's going to be extremely stressful your physical system, whether it's, you know, a super long run, hard tempo work is going to depress your immune system for some duration of time. Um, most of this, the, the research has showed it's pretty, it's pretty transient if it's like just a single bout of exercise. Um, but if you're dealing with chronic stress, as, as some, I think Stephanie alluded to with like healthcare workers, where they're already stressed out, you don't want to add that extra stress onto the system and depress the immune system any further. Though um, so what they have shown is I said, most of the, most of the immune, like immune suppression is very short term. You're looking at less than 24 hours, even a couple hours afterwards. Um, so it got single, single hard effort. And then if somebody's sleeping or recovering, they should recover back to normal levels pretty fine. And so you might be slightly more susceptible initially, but it shouldn't, pre it shouldn't prevent or alter your long-term immune response to any kind of infection that you do acquire. 
I almost kind of look at this and I'll, I'll, I'll open this up after standing on a soapbox for a little bit. I almost kind of look at that proposition is that's just, if you're doing training the right way that you shouldn't be compromising your immune system that much anyway. And we see this all the time with athletes that are either training with hard doses, either, either long runs or hard runs too frequently or they increase their total amount of training stress. And I, li- I like the way you position that, Eric. They increase their total amount of training stress too quickly. They're more susceptible to getting sick. We see those types of you know correlation studies come out every other year, every other year, it seems like. But whenever I see that, I just look at that and go, that's bad training design. Um, but at the same time, during this time, I think that like just hedging a little bit on the under of training even more so is not a bad thing. One, the events are all getting, the the events are all kicking the cans down the road, right? Nothing's going to happen for the next, realistically for the next maybe three months. And so from a training perspective, taking the pressure off actually makes sense, even irrespective of the outbreak right now, just because you don't need to put that much kind of pressure on. But then you add the aspect of, you just want to hedge a little bit on, a little bit more on being more healthy, I think is a really smart thing. Yeah. And what I wanted to add as well is just remember that right now, like emotional, emotional and like psychological stress is also a big additive in addition to all of that. This is going on. So just people being stressed out by the just day to day activities is going to add to that. Corinne and Steph, I'm going to cue you guys up for a question because you are probably more acutely dealing with, um, this like emotional stress that goes along with having to stay, you know, confined in your house all day. Um, and I know that you guys also confer with a lot of people in the San Francisco and mill Valley area. And I have athletes out there as well. So I'm going to pick up some tips here, but how are you guys specifically dealing with this? So I think for me, it's just kind of being able to look at the fact that I can still go outside to exercise. I just need to be smart and use caution, i.e., you know, big group runs, that kind of thing. Um, until I lock down Golden Gate Bridge or something, I can still drive across to the headlands and go for a run. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Race my my race that was supposed to be this upcoming weekend was canceled. Um, my race in June potentially will be canceled. So trying to just keep the focus on doing what I can right now and getting as much sleep as possible as well. And that's the nice thing about my teaching job going remotely is that I don't teach until 8am. And if I'm teaching from my living room, I get to sleep a little bit longer and being sleep deprived can definitely take a hit at your immune system. And so I think you have to focus on what you can focus on. Um, you know, not dwelling, not like staying off Facebook, staying off Twitter, maybe consuming the news once a day. Um, for your own sanity and then checking in with each other too. Um, I joke, my birthday is coming up April 2nd. We're still going to be hopefully, I mean, possibly sheltering in place. And I've been joking that we'll be doing a Google hangout for my birthday. So um, I think it's important to do what you can to still move your body, to do it safely. And then to like stay in contact with the people that are close to you, getting out for a run with one other person, that kind of thing to check in. Um, or just FaceTiming, something of that nature, I think is going to go a long way during this. I think, I think we can all rally and send Corinne some cupcakes for her birthday once it kind of comes around. And Andy, <laughs> Andy, I'm going to want you to chime in here really quick. Since April Fool's Day is coming around, and you have one of the most epic articles always come out every single April Fool's Day. 
have you thought about are you gonna are you gonna touch it or this is this one of those like comedy it's too soon moments where you're afraid to where where you're afraid to opine on something regarded to COVID nineteen. Well, I, I think as most of you know, that's April first is my favorite holiday of the year. And uh, usually right around the new year, I start thinking of topics of uh, what I could do, you know, Um, I was thinking there could be some, (laughs) right. They've already, they've already canceled Barkley. Barkley is usually a good target. I don't know. I was, I, I, I always like targeting the good folks over at UTMB. So I think I've probably got something in mind there that, uh, that I think Catherine will get a kick out of, but you know, it's still a couple of weeks away and the way this thing is going, you never know. So now nah, definitely not too soon for a COVID-19 uh, April fools. That's I'm for sure. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right, let's get back to practical matters. Steph, you're dealing with the lockdown as well, <laughs> okay. which has a lot of, uh, it just has a lot of psychosocial elements to it. How have you been handling it? Yeah. I mean, similar to Corinne, it's like you do what you can. You focus on the things you can control. And I go back to the overall um, uh, idea behind this is to keep everyone safe and healthy. And so instead of trying to work around it, like, okay, how can I still do the things I normally do? I'm more in the camp of I'm accepting this and it's temporary and it's for good reason. So yeah, maybe I'm not able to go move as much as I would like, but uh, you know, I, there's a reason for that. And, um, I, I guess I've been a little more conservative and respectful. Um, and partly it's because I'm, uh, you know, I'm recovering from an injury myself, so I'm not, I'm not moving as much. Um, but I think getting outside has been important. Get fresh air. Um, I've been doing that solo, um, you know, not in groups of people. And it's, it's just kind of refreshing to not just be cooped up in your house because that, that can be a lot after a while you can go stir crazy, but I do think it's important to follow the guidelines because they're there for a reason. So I think the take home message we can kind of send to people is exercise and be healthy, be physically and emotionally healthy train, but not too much. Don't get greedy with your training, just like you shouldn't ever kind of get greedy with your training. Don't get greedy and don't spoil it for everyone else. I agree with that. And I would say, too, if you need to take this time to, I mean, I think it's I think it's natural to be disappointed that your race got canceled. I think that's it's, it's like it's akin to an injury in a way. It's like my inbox is flooded with 30 athletes who all got injured at the same time. And but it was an emotional injury. Um I think it's fine to grieve not being able to race. I mean, we need to keep it in a bigger picture, right? Like we're doing this for a reason. But I do think that I've got a lot of athletes that I'm about that I'm implementing with this with who had a race in the very near term, you know, coming up in April. And we're going to take them through that taper because it's not only physical, it's emotional. And so we're utilizing that time to let them step back and exhale and not worry about, you know, training for X, Y, or Z that we're punting down the road. And so I've got a lot of athletes who are, are going to go through a taper for without a race at the end of it. And I think you can use that as a mental, a mental kind of reset as well. Cause I think a lot of us just need to feel like it's okay to exhale. So that's what I'll be implementing um, with a number of people in the coming weeks. Let, let's kind of, let's, let's riff off of that a little bit, Corinne, cause that's another area that I want to get into. We've got athletes that are both in this like short-term and this long-term planning, right? The short-term people, they've kind of had their, they've had their races canceled and 
you know, in, that's er- everywhere from Georgia Death Race to Lake Sonoma, which is in the middle of April. Uh, I know I saw some things at the be- beginning of May that were canceled. Uh, we're canceling uh, both the camps that I was running here in Colorado Springs, Old Training Magazine camp. The Dipsy. The Dipsy's canceled, right? And our Memorial Day camp, uh, that announcement will go out uh, later today. Uh, uh, so anyway, all kind of all the way into May. But Corinne, your point is well taken, and I'm doing the exact same thing with my athletes that we're training for something like Nine Trails, which is right around the, which would have been right around uh, the corner, and uh, Lake Sonoma, where I'm kind of keeping their training as if the race would would happen, or moving the taper up a little bit just to allow, uh, kind of allow a little bit of, of breathing room, because you've trained hard anyway, and you need to rest, like irrespective of the virus going around. That would be that would kind of be part of the plan, and it's a smart thing with the virus uh, kind of going around. But I want to hear from some other people, like because I know we were going to have over twenty athletes at Lake Sonoma, so maybe we can use that as as the prototype almost. What are what are you guys doing with some of your athletes that had at, that had races in the April and maybe early? Well, we can go back to March now, March, April, and early May type of time frame. Well, I have I have one who had a, a more immediate one, which was behind the rocks in Moab, um, that was supposed to happen this weekend. Um, so for that particular athlete who's been training hard and is a new parent and was super excited about you know being able to test his medal, so to speak, he is still going to do a little challenge, but closer to home. So he's going to you know do a use it as a as a longer day out because the time is already, you know, accounted for with family coverage and all of that stuff and using it as an extra long training run. So he can still kind of like feel that he can sort of test himself out a little bit, but also in, in a safe way that he's not going to, you know, get hurt or be too overtaxed. And we talked about, you know, not wanting to um, overburden the immune system or not to, fall and get hurt and have to go to the emergency room or anything like that. So for that one athlete who's got an immediate plan, um, that's what he's going to do. Because for some of these races, they've offered people, if you can submit your Strava data, um, you can still get, um, you know, like an honorary, honorary medal and, and t-shirt and things like that. So for some, they do want to still do that, but you know, we want to keep them safe while doing so. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is an individual choice, whether they still want to go through, like putting themselves through that, through that stress and strain of doing the kind of the makeup race or the makeup activity. Um, but Andy, let's mm-hmm. kind of, let's, let's hear from you. Cause I know you've got another, some athletes that are going through this as well. Yeah. I, I, I went back in sort of my personal experience from, from 12 years ago when, when Western States was canceled on the Wednesday before the race. And, um, you know, obviously this is much, much greater magnitude than that, but it was still a, a, a moment in time where you had, you know, 380 people figuring out what they were going to do instead of running this race. And it was three days before the race. And in reminding those athletes, I think that that have been in that case, and it, not three days before, but you know, within the next month, they had events that are now canceled. 
I, I've asked them, do you want to go ahead and do uh, do your own, uh, you know, a, a, a do a do-it-yourself thing, which could be a lot of fun with one or two other people? Do you want to just uh, scrap it and, you know, start over with something later on down the calendar? Uh, do you want to just uh, go with the flow? I think their response has largely been they rather go ahead and do the do-it-yourself thing uh, and do something to, to use that pent-up I don't want to say pent up energy, but but use that training benefit to something that that is meaningful to them, that that has a that, of course, Coop, as you wrote about in, in the book, the emotional connection to an event. All of a sudden, that emotional connection, the, the floor falls out of it because of the cancellation. If you can find something else for them to emotionally connect to, you can perhaps maintain that momentum and that motivation. I think the, 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 the corollary to that, of course, is if they are going to sacrifice their immune system or they're an older athlete like some of Steph's or I have a 66-year-old athlete who's kind of reevaluating re things. I think that's a whole separate kettle of fish and one that you want to you want to address with them kind of uh, on a almost day by day basis. But I think looking back at past cancellations and what has worked for people is probably a good step to move forward from it. Yeah. And the the caveat that I always add to that, Andy, is that I agree that there's this like emotional finality to doing to doing a race or doing an event. But when I have athletes that are evaluating that, I, I always wholeheartedly remind them that their fitness does not go to waste. And I think that, that that's a negative psychology that we get too caught up in that somehow because the race didn't happen, their fitness is going to like evaporate into thin air, thin air. And that never happens, right? Fitness is always a chronic thing. It takes months to build and months to kind of deteriorate. And 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 so that, that needs to be – I think that as coaches, we need to be mindful of reminding our athletes of that when they go through these times that all of the work that they've done just makes them stronger for the next time they get to toe the starting line or whatever. It doesn't evaporate into, into thin air. Uh, John, we'll, uh, we'll move over to you now. Uh, do you have any athletes that are in this situation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a lot of athletes, like I guess we all do, that are having events canceled. Um, an athlete that was um, getting ready for Canyons and hoping to get a golden ticket there. And so that's been tough. Uh, he's got two kids, so there's a lot of other stress as well with kids being at home now, um, you know, work being um, – you know, thrown off a little bit as well, but just like what you guys were touching on, it's still like, you know, what can we still do right now? And, you know, talking about some, some potential uh, races or just targets for later in the season, there's still, still uh, things that we can do and, and weaknesses that we can kind of touch on as well. So, you know, I think a lot of athletes, we are kind of reeling uh, or I am reeling back the intensity a little bit and just the overall workload, just because there's other stressors in life. And if we ignore that, then, you know, that's uh, not going to be beneficial to the athletes. So definitely taking that into consideration. The other thing that I've uh, trying to work on with my athletes right now is to do trying to put together like a, some kind of a virtual race for athletes that live all over the world. And so uh, I'm going to try and uh, pick a, pick a time frame. It doesn't have to be a particular day, but just to rally all my athletes that live all around and get out and do a run together. It doesn't have to be an ultra it can be a 10 K, but we're all going to share a photo of, of the route where we ran and uh, just kind of have a little bit of connectedness with that. So I think that I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Eric, I think you're in a little a bit great of a, idea. I think you're in a little bit of like one of like the trap races because correct me if I'm wrong, you're signed up for San Juan and High Lonesome, correct? 
That is correct. I was actually in Boston as well, so I just got that news like last week. Uh, so it's been kind of a changeover from road running just to going back to trails all of a sudden. Okay, so what what so are you? Been- how are you viewing? this proposition of maybe or maybe not racing the San Juan Solstice 50, which that's one of the hardest, if not the hardest 50 in the country. That's at the end of June. And then high lonesome, which is another super hard 100 at the end of July. Uh, yeah. At the moment, I'm really just kind of looking forward to the, like, the immediate future, basically. Um, so kind of as some other people alluded to with Boston being canceled, I'm a couple friends and I are planning on doing a kind of our own hard half marathon in town locally, just to, give our fitness a little test and kind of put those road legs to some good use. But then I'm picturing like right now, I'm just thinking of San Juan and high lonesome more as, you know, big, long kind of like, kind of like kind of a goals or kind of like unsupported runs, I guess, or, or just kind of like not necessarily thinking of them as a race in, in the immediate future, just going out and training and, you know, being super fit and being ready. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, that's, you know, there's nothing you can do about it in the end. I wonder if you can chime in on, and, and Corinne, I want you to jump in second on this because you guys have a similar situation, Marin. So Eric, you, you run with the Rocky Mountain Runners every so often, correct? And this is just to set the stage for everybody. This is a huge running group in Boulder, Colorado that is very well known kind of across the state and really across the country. You can see their green shirts are quite prevalent at any ultra marathon that, that you go to. They have a very robust, they have a very robust community and the runs that they hold are, are very well attended. And I, I would, I would be willing to gather, although I haven't been on a lot of them, I'd be willing to gather that, that, that in the past they have violated a lot of the social distancing that has now become quite commonplace, uh, amongst, uh, amongst communities. How are you guys dealing with that in Boulder right now with that robust group training uh, activities that you guys have? Uh, so, yeah, correct. Yeah, just to lay a scene for everybody else. So the Rocky Mountain Runners group, we have about 200 people, on, 200 people that are on the list um, that are you know involved in some way or shape or form. Um, it's pretty regular for us to get runs that are 15 to 30 people. Um, so large, definitely large groups more than is, is kind of appropriate at this current time. Uh, we actually just posted a public notice to our our page is that we are not going to be organizing large groups um, for the foreseeable future until we get better guidance from the state and also from national officials. Um, but mostly what's going on within the group, though, is that basically people are kind of self-isolating into smaller, I guess if you want to call them semi-running family units. And so everybody has their kind of like their regular training partners that they'll go out and train with, um, mostly in groups of three to four people, five people at most. Um, so kind of self-isolating into those smaller groups, understanding that there, of course there is some risk when you're out with anybody else uh, to any degree, but as kind of Corinne mentioned earlier, it's good for everybody's sanity to be out with other friends and other people around, even if you're not necessarily directly interacting, just, you know, having that social interaction may, may, helped us. Small groups. Maybe we should study like the snot rocket ratio before and after this whole outbreak amongst training groups. Cause I, I went out on a run with one of my regular training partners uh, yesterday morning and I was definitely more conscious of that. Definitely. Uh, Corinne, you, you know, San Francisco running company has a, has a fantastic group run on Saturdays and Sundays that we regularly see all the Instagram stories and pictures of 20, 30, 40, 50 people up, up on Mount Tam. What's happening with that group? So right now they've been following kind of what's coming down from Governor Governor Newsom. Um, so last weekend we were still holding to that 
250 person um, band, which we're not at 250 people. So it was not really a concern, um, I would say. And we're going to, I think the plan is to continue to follow along those lines. So we went from 50 to 10. And I think with the Shelter in Place Act, essentially the, I mean, the store itself has gone to online and phone and phone order only. So and that speaks volumes for what will happen with the group run as well over the next three weeks, um, eliminating it. And the same thing that Eric mentioned in Boulder, it seems like, I mean, on Sunday, that'll probably be the last um, bigger group that I was with. And I was with six other people. Um, I think we're going to kind of pare down to family units um, or kind of like typical maybe running partners where you go out with your one person and you're you're safe you know you kind of you keep it at that six foot distance i think we have to be conscious of that i think it's really easy as ultra runners and trail runners to be like oh we can social distance in a group of six to eight people or ten people um no you're way closer together than you than you think you are at that six foot um um distance and so i think we have to be conscious of who we're interacting with on a regular basis and trying to keep probably the a semblance of a routine um i trained with that that one person or that two per, or that other like the two other people consistently um as opposed to like mixing and matching a ton so kind of going down to your family your family units even if it's a, a non-traditional family but the the shop runs themselves will not be existing during the shelter in place just due to that limitation are people still touching the door or is there like a big jar of hand sanitizer at the door that people can like squirt on it and then touch it or last friday we definitely all touched the door um and i'm part of our kind of our tam morning runs here as well and they there's been a lot of discussion um not so much in the wednesday tam morning group but the friday tam morning group like is it safe how many people are going to go do we think we can do it and so it's been good to have those conversations and not it being this like blatant disregard for the rules it's been it's been a conversation and i think that speaks volumes for um our running community and the people who are who are going to listen and be you know kind of take conservative measures for this being a humanitarian like a humanitarian kind of global issue not just you know affecting our little community it's such a iconic thing to like touch the door or either eric or adam where you guys are located the plaque at the top of green mountain like those types of like rituals it's almost like an in-run reminder of what's actually going contact. on outside of the run right contact right i mean it's 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 i don't i don't know i, know, I hadn't even thought about that until now well, the other day we <laughs> all like like elbow bumped or like foot tapped after the run and then we all went and pet the same dog so i was like okay we need to like reevaluate maybe what we're touching but yeah we're gonna see a bit of that change go ahead john oh i didn't uh yeah i don't have anything sorry oh sorry i thought you were gonna chime yeah. in there no, that's my bad okay let's, let's, Let's move to uh, let's kind of keep on this on this uh, theme of like more long term planning and go even I hate to do this because the news and everything just changes so quickly. But I do think that there's a good contingency of athletes out there. We just talked about the ones that have the Lake Sonoma's the San Juan Solstice, the high lonesome like Eric had. But then there are other athletes where their future is, is even more opaque. They're doing UTMB. 
They're doing the bear. They're doing things in September, October, Havelina, right? September, October, November. I just had somebody uh, sign up for something in February of 2021, like way down the road. And I'm still, I still, my, my counsel was like, sign up for it. But I, you know, who knows? I mean, we still might be dealing with this if we screw it up uh, that long down the line. But let's let's kind of keep with like the September, October, November type of time frame. There's a lot of like really good, really classic ultras that I know our athletes are signed up for and we know other athletes are signed up for. What are the practical guidelines that you guys are listening or that you guys are giving those athletes right now? You know, I've, I we've talked about it in continuing eds before. Uh, I, I People have qualifier-itis. You know, and they they they're worried about they're going to lose their Western States qualifier and their hard rock qualifier. Never mind the fact that the race, those races themselves might not happen this year. But, you know, and a lot of people plan their whole years these days around their qualifiers or their UTMB points or things like this. And uh, and, uh, and of course, a lot of people try and check those boxes in the September, October, November uh, race window. So. I'm, you know, I, I'm telling them, you know, yeah, it's, you know, our, your long range plan is geared towards that grindstone finish or the bear finish or the, uh, one of the other interesting things that's happening is some of these races that are postponing instead of canceling are postponing. And then they're putting the postponement date right on top of something that maybe an athlete was also doing. For example, I had an athlete, I have an athlete who was, was in the world's end hundred K and the bear hundred miler, the world's end hundred K postponed and announced their new date to be the exact date of the bear. So, I mean, there are things like that, that I mean, it's like, how, how can you even control that? But I think from a, from a micro standpoint, uh, you, you got to try and keep that hat on that. Yeah. We're going to continue training for these fall races when we don't know what's going to happen but we might as well you know stay the course and and hope for the best provided they they're able to maintain their motivation that's what i'm doing at least yeah that's solid steph you want to chime in real quick yeah i kind of have a same thought moving forward with with um race planning and it's just there's so much unknown right now that i think you just have to stay the course because if you try to think like well if this happens or this happens, it's just too much. And you can't really bank on anything right now. So I think in my mind, it's just a way to like, you continue to train for those big goal races, but ease off the gas a bit. There's just not that pressure. And that's really good and comforting right now because it maybe it means you don't need to go out for your four hour run. You just need to go out for an hour or two on the weekend and just, you know, maintain some consistency because we just can't say like this race is going to happen. Yes or no, or it's going to be moved. Um, and, and I know some races have been postponed. Like for example, nine trails, I think was postponed and already set for a date in June. And that's, that to me seems too soon. So it's, you know, like, um, yeah, that might happen, but it actually might not happen. We just don't know the full, you know, the impact of this, what it's going to have on our, uh, I guess, even this entire year. Yeah, for sure. Stop prognosticating. Right. I think is a good one. Eric, you want to chime in here? Yeah. Just something quickly before I head out though. Um, just something more, I guess the coach to think about is that as if this is, does keep spreading around is that people are going to be putting, put on like quarantines and actually being asked to stay home and not go out and exercise even too, even if they're not sick. Um, I know Stephanie has one athlete that's supposed to be doing this right now. And I've told her she should be training. Um, 
but just something to think about and like be kind of aware of and discuss with your athletes, you kind know, of what to do and how to deal with that. And that, you know, taking a week or two off or very low, isn't going to be the worst thing for your, you know, your health overall and for everybody else's health too. Yeah. It, it kind of relates to the point that I made earlier that your fitness doesn't evaporate and I, athletes that have, that I've worked with that have been injured or gotten sick. have kind of heard this same spiel that all you're doing when you miss training is you're just first and foremost, you're just moving the stress around to other areas. Training and stress doesn't like evaporate into thin air. You're allowed you, you, your body can replace it and shift things around to a certain extent, but it's certainly not a one for one loss. If you lose two weeks, Eric, in your example, right, of training due to a quarantine, that doesn't mean that those two weeks evaporate into thin air. It just means when you come out of those two weeks, you have a little bit more freshness underneath your legs to kind of train with. It's it's certainly not a one-for-one one loss. And I use that dialogue as um, a little bit of a, like a comfort, like a, like a comfort to athletes because they feel that they're going to just like lose everything that you know, that they've been striving for, for the past several months because of whatever piece of mistraining, whether it's injury, illness, or in this case, a, a government mandated quarantine, which I've never, I've been coaching for almost 20 years now. I've never thought I've had to deal with this government mandated quarantines, never thought about it. All right, Eric. I know. I know you got to go, man. We'll let you go. Thanks for your time, uh, Chantel. No problem, Can I chime in? For yeah, a quick yeah, Chantel, go ahead. Just thinking along those lines, you know, if you're if you're at home for two weeks, and as you you, you make a great point, the fitness doesn't evaporate. So you know, if if there are things you can do from within your home, whether it's you know uh, you know some video you can follow online for some yoga or, um, you know, an at home, no equipment required strength training routine, just to feel like you're still getting some movement because that's still important. And the things you can control while you are at home are making sure you're getting good sleep, making sure you're eating properly and all those things that, you know, are within our control that we can do to make sure that when we are released back into the wild, so to speak, that we're in a good, that we're in a good condition. Yeah, I'm totally I'm I'm totally on board with that. Darcy, you want to chime in with any of this? Yeah, I think just backing that up and like keeping it in perspective, as we keep saying, you know, like two weeks indoors is not the end of the world. You it's an opportunity to get creative, honestly. Um, and maybe work on some uh weaknesses. You know, if you're one that tends to skip over the strength training that your coach gives you. Uh, this is an opportunity to to really dial that into part of your routine, your daily routine. So I think in any challenge, there's always that hidden opportunity. Um, so it's a good good chance to jump on that. Honestly, Darcy, are you saying that some you have some athletes that skimp out on your strength training routines? Come on, I would be the first one to raise <laughs> my hand personally. But yeah, I mean, we love running. We love those like endurance ex- exercise endorphins and. You know, it's usually or often, unfortunately, not until injury starts to creep in that we start to pay attention to the glute medius exercises that we should be doing two or three times a week for five minutes. So, right, you cool. know, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that it's it's all about habit and routine. And this really might be a good opportunity to lock in some new habits that we can roll with once we are back out in the wild. Yeah, I pulled my uh, 
TRX and all my exercise bands out of the van and they're sitting in my basement ready for use. They've got a lot of dust exactly. on them right now. All right, Corinne. <laughs> There's also a lot of um, organizations putting out free kind of home exercise content, be it PT strength, be it more substantial strength, be it um, yoga streaming. There's a lot of people that are coming out with kind of um, either it's being streamed via Zoom or Google through your local, like your local gym. Um, my local yoga studio is doing that for the next three weeks where they're going to do streamed classes that we can sign up for and get a Zoom invite to. Um, so I think that's, that's something that we can do during this time is, you know, I joked with some friends about it being my like, oh, okay, I'm going to come out of this like stronger and more flexible, you know, over the next three <laughs> weeks. Because I'm at, like, I don't have an excuse to not do it because I am at home. So I think that, you know, there are like, there can be very positive takeaways from this as well. I also joked yesterday, we were out on a trail run um, and we had great interactions with people and passing and passing safely. Um, and I was like, maybe we won't go to the trails to escape humans anymore. We'll go to the trails to have minor human interactions and we'll be a lot nicer and more compassionate to other trail users on the, like on the outside of this. Um, because I did, I had like amazing, I complain in Montana, everyone says hi on the trail in California, it's a lot more rare, I feel like. And so to have those interactions yesterday um, felt really meaningful. And so I think that that's something that could positively come out of this as well. The reports out of some of the bigger cities like Boston and Chicago, or their parks are inundated with people, which kind of presents another problem, right? Because you've got too many people in a, bit, in a bigger area, but it's still too many people too close together. But to your point, Corinne, just the fact that people are getting outside and maybe being a little nicer to each other, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay, let's uh, let's let's kind of put a pin in it there, you guys. But I want everybody to start thinking about like we've done this exercise before, and I'm going to spring it on you guys now because it's always better when it's spontaneous. And this is the one piece of advice that you have to boil down into 60 seconds that can apply for any athlete that is training for an ultra marathon for 2019. John, I'm going to put you on the spot. You're the first one. What's your one piece of advice that you're going to give everybody? 2019, Coop. 2019, 2020. I'm living in the past. 2020. I'm I'm in, I'm stuck yeah. in COVID nineteen. That's why that's why it's like so prevalent in my mind. So 2020. Yeah, you know, like I, I think I already mentioned this earlier, but um, you know, I think this is this is the time to to reflect. You know, and it takes some time to think about what these events really mean to us, you know, for the athletes that were signed up for a race that got canceled, what the what actual act of moving, moving the body, what that means to, to the athlete. Um, and to, uh, yeah, to really have that time to think about what they, what the athlete really values in all this. It can be a very powerful exercise and one that I think could be often overlooked in this moment. But, um, you know, I've had a lot of athletes that, you know, have taken it different ways. And, and that self-reflection has been very powerful for them. And I think when they, when we get through this, they're going to be able to take that, that reflection and take it into their training. And I think that's going to be, be very powerful. For, yeah. So I, I would say definitely the, the self-reflection piece and, you know, you know, really what, what does that individual really value and, and, and all this. So I think that's, that's what I recommend. That's awesome. John, Steph, you're up next. Yeah, I kind of uh, will follow that same theme and say this is a time to think about 
you know, the bigger picture. Um, how does this <laughs> setback or opportunity rather fit into the bigger picture of your what running means to you, both racing, training, just getting out in the trails. And it is a great time for really thinking about that and thinking about the little things that we ignore and not just from a selfish training standpoint, but like connecting with your family um, or, you know, doing things that maybe get pushed to the side. I think it, it's just a really good opportunity to bring that back to the center um, because running tends to take over everything at times because it, it, you know, it can be something we think about every single day. Um, and so this is just an opportunity to let it push it back a little bit, um, and focus on other things that fulfill us. And I know that's not really, you know, for training for racing per se, but I think it's important for being a human. Well, I mean, we're humans. I say this all the time. We're humans before we're athletes. So uh, that is very well taken. All right, Andy. All right, so cue the there goes AJW again trope. Um, but I'm going to say this is time for mental training. You guys can do your yoga and your strength and all that, but I know I beat this drum all the time, but whether it's the mental training and trying to compartmentalize all this crazy news we're hearing all day or the mental training that requires us to pivot and adapt as our events are canceled or the mental training that just is required to have to face another day of this craziness of sitting at home for three weeks straight like Corinne and Steph, and I'm pretty sure the rest of us are going to have to do pretty soon. A good time to think about what am I doing today to train my mind for that ultra finish that I'm going to have in the fall or in 2021 or wherever. Uh, it's we, we, there are never there is never a quarantine on mental training. Oh my God. I love that. That's la Did you plan that last line? There's never a quarantine on mental training. Did you like write that down and know that you were going to end with that like punctuative statement? Not, not, not really. It was, it was inspired by Corinne's article the other day. <sighs> I was thinking that, you know, there was, there was actually so much in that, that, that made me think about this, that I, not the line itself, but just the, the idea of, uh, of being able to use this time for that. So. Uh, yes, no corn, no quarantine for mental training. I love it. All right, Darcy, you're up next. <laughs> can I cheat? Can I give two pieces of advice? Sure. sure. Yeah. We're, there, there, are no, there are no rules anymore, by the way. So <laughs> there's so many rules. Number one, get excited, get out the map, start planning. Um, this isn't going to last forever. Um, so even if it's not a sanctioned organized event, um, figure out what excites you. Um, the second one is to keep, keep a sense of humor securely in place. It's so easy to read the news and get overwhelmed um, with all the negativity. So take time to laugh like every hour if you need to schedule it in and watch some silly YouTube blooper. Like do that. Like keep laughing, keep smiling, surround yourself with people if it's just FaceTime that you know will laugh and giggle easily. I think that that's really important. Awesome, Darcy. Corinne, you're up next. So I think for this, my biggest piece of advice is just to be be pliable. And I'm trying to focus on that too. To be to be flexible, to know that this is not a permanent state of being, that we will come out of this, that there will be races down the road. Um, and so I think we're gonna, you know, we're all gonna mentally taper and we're gonna get back to training. Um 
following whatever rules are in front of us. And we're going to have to adapt on the fly because um, as a person who's trying to currently keep an article up to date, things are changing quickly. And so I think it's really important to continue to be pliable during this time and to know that things are going to change. The unknown is scary, but you know, we're all in this together. We're going to continue adapting. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to riff off of that for my one. And you guys have heard this at camp and it, that's adapt. And I originally came up with that for in an ultra running specific situation because shit hits the fan a lot in ultra running. And if we have learned anything over the last few weeks, shit is going to kind of keep hitting the fan day after day after day. And runners and people are going to have to adapt. You know, one day we can fly back from Europe. I barely made it back under the travel restrictions. Next day, we can't fly back from Europe. Next day, we are under quarantine. Next day, you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next. But you can always control how you adapt to all of those situations. And so, if anything, I just want I just want runners and, and, and people as a whole just to adapt to the situation, uh, the situation that's, that, that's in front of us. We'll get over it. This is going to be a long-term deal. But uh, as I mentioned on, on Billy Yang's podcast, as humans, we always do a pretty darn good job when we're united against one single cause. We tend to come together against the one single bad thing that we can all focus on and say, yeah, you know what? We're going to, you know, we're going to make this thing right. And so that gives me a whole lot of hope that we have one singular thing that we can all agree is not going to be good for our society if it gets out of control. And I've got, I've got a lot of hope in that. So adapt to the situation. It's going to change every single day, every single week. Good luck keeping up with your article, Corinne. I don't want that job. All right, guys, we're going to sign off on that. Appreciate all you guys hopping on the phone again. Uh, I know this is a special one. I think it turned out really well. Uh, we're going to sign off now. And for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, listen to the postscript on this one. I'll have a few uh, summary points and maybe wax poetic if I'm so inclined. All right, guys, see you later. All right, trail runners, what'd you think? Hope you got a lot of good information out of that. Hope that you can really look at the rest of your season and what you're trying to plan and really all this ambiguity that's out there. I hope you are looking at that through a little bit more of a rose-colored lens. Remember, all this stuff is just temporary. We're going to get through this. You're going to still be able to train to a certain level. And if we're going to come out the other side, we might not know where that other side is, but we are certainly as a society going to come out of the other side. Uh, I'd, I'd be remiss to mention that once we signed off on the podcast, one of our coaches actually mentioned to me that, uh, we fe- that we felt that we struck a really good balance between athletes desire to train and them playing a role in society as a whole. And if anything, like, uh, if anything, times like this need to remind us that we're not only members of the trail running community, but we're also members of this community that we just happen to call planet earth. And this virus, this outbreak, this pandemic, if anything should provide us all a little bit of pause and a little bit of thought behind the fact that we all have an impact that we can play uh, on this society. 
Thanks to all the coaches for getting on the phone, not at the last minute because we have these uh, uh, calls scheduled every week, but really for adjusting their schedules uh, at the last minute to uh, discuss this. Uh, Special thanks out to Eric for joining us uh, from his lab out in Boulder, Colorado, quite literally while he was working to uh, provide some expertise on his neck of the woods. We're very appreciative of that. Thank you guys for listening. If you have not had the chance to do so, go ahead and give this podcast a rating or a like on iTunes. That that uh, helps the podcast out a lot. I have a couple of programming notes for you. Uh, COVID-19 virus actually affected this podcast. I had two podcasts scheduled to record uh, early in the week, both of which got canceled and both of them I was really psyched about. So I'm just going to have to tease you all with them right now and hopefully kind of whet your appetites for what might come down the pipeline in the next few weeks. Uh, The first one was with Lindsay Golich over at the Olympic Training Center. She manages their high altitude and environmental physiology lab there. And we're going to talk about heat and altitude acclimation. So poignant for uh, for runners, even if your your events this summer might be hanging in the balance. It's still all really good information, and she really is uh, quite an expert uh, in that field. And someone that I've known for a very long time, uh, having managed her, and uh, I actually put her in a supervisory role uh, here at CTS uh, before she moved on to the training center, where she was responsible for managing and mentoring a lot of coaches. So I have a lot of respect for her. Uh, we will reschedule that at a future point in time uh, to be determined, but hope to get that out to you guys soon. And the second one that I had canceled, which I was just, I was so psyched about because I've been working on this since like November of last year and it finally materialized on Monday of this week, yesterday on the 16th. We were going to get, I was going to get together with uh, the U.S. anti-doping agency, USADA, here in Colorado Springs and talk with their former CFO, or their former, sorry, their former COO, John Frothingham, and Tammy Hansen, who's responsible for their athlete uh, education program. And we were going to discuss doping and ultra running what, and what some potential solutions might be, since we really don't have one right now. But we had to cancel that one as well or postpone it. We're going to reschedule it sometime in the next few weeks. And I promise I'll get that podcast out to there to you guys. So I'm going to do my best to keep this thing on a regular schedule. I usually drop these on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm going to drop this one a little bit early because of the news cycle. But uh, I'm going to do my best to keep things going each and every week, um, despite all the programming hiccups. And it's just because I love doing it for you guys. So once again, thanks for listening, you guys. I normally sign off with, I'll see you out on the trails, but I'm not going to not gonna be able to see a whole heck of a lot of people with all the races being canceled. But once we do make our, once we do get ourselves through this, I guarantee you, I'll see you on the trails then. And until then, stay healthy, stay happy. Go do some training. Keep your heads up, people. We'll get through this. Peace out.